Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Hello, hello. To whomever is watching, I want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, taking time, and whether whether you're at home, whether you're uh, hopefully not driving in your car, uh, maybe riding and watching this, but please don't drive and watch this. Maybe you're at work on break and you're watching it on your phone. We just want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out just to, uh, to lean in and to be a part of uh, what we feel like God's wanting to communicate to his people today. And uh, so, uh, for all those watching in, uh, my name is Ben. If we've never had the opportunity to meet, I just want to say it's nice to meet you. And, uh, man, crazy times that we are in. But uh, hopefully, if I haven't met you, we'll get the opportunity one day to be able to meet face-to-face. But uh, I'm one of the pastors here at C1 Church, and we're so glad that you are tuning in today. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series of talks or messages that we've titled Sweet Dreams because we've been telling stories of people who had dreams that played a part like a piece of the puzzle in the Christmas story. Now, a couple of things I want to mention is, one, um, it's kind of, there's a, there's a little bit of irony there because the idea is we've been telling the stories of people that have had dreams, but we're all, we've also been telling uh, some stories about people who had dreams like, like one day I'd, I'd love to get to see this, or one day it'd be so neat if God could do this, or I feel that God has spoken to me that he will do this. I might not see it in my lifetime, but I believe it with everything in me that God is going to do this. So whether it's like a literal dream or it's this concept that yet you haven't got to see play out in reality yet, We've been using that word dreams kind of in in both of those facets. And so it's been fun to walk through and lead us into the Christmas story. And so as you're watching this today, um, we have some more stories that we want to tell. And we're going to be in the book of the Bible called Matthew chapter 2. But before we dive in there, I also want to uh, unpack a little bit what I mean when I say the Christmas story. Because, like, at the end of the day, I've got, I've got a four-year-old, no, a five, actually. She just turned five. I've got a five-year-old daughter, and I've got an eight-year-old son. And so Christmas comes around, and there was a time in their lives where, you know, it was all, like, they thought Santa Claus was real. Uh, maybe, parents, this is the part where you're like, I shouldn't have had my kids out here watching this video. But um, anyways, at the end of the day, we, as a family, uh, still were, you know, doing all that. And we, and we love that. We love, like... You know, elf on a shelf and, and, and stockings hung by the fireplace, even when we didn't have fireplaces. And um, at the end of the day, f- Christmas is so fun. But I want to be clear with you because my wife, she was actually, she didn't grow up in church, but she had, she had been invited by a friend to youth group. And she had started to attend church for some time. And, and she remembers for the first time sitting there and listening that Easter was not about a bunny and a bunch of, like an Easter egg hunt, and, and that, that Easter wasn't about that. And, and although she had been raised in the Bible Belt of USA, 
She had never actually heard the true story or the origin of Easter and what Easter was all about. And so I don't want to assume that there's someone listening in today that you just don't, you're like, that you've been in church your whole life. I, I, I don't want to assume that. I want to assume that there's some people out there that are like, you really do think that, that Christmas is all about Santa Claus and all that other stuff. Um, and we can have fun with that. And I don't want to, don't want to paint a bad page on, on, on that. But, I, but what I do want to say is that the origin and the true meaning of Christmas <clears throat> starts back. And, and if, if you haven't, maybe check out last week's talk Pastor Ryan had, uh, spoke into. The, the Christmas started with a promise, a promise that God made to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. And, and I'd invite you to go back and read that. But that's kind of where Christmas began as, as man had screwed things up in our connection and our relationship with God. And God promised to do something about it. And the Christmas story is God making good on that promise. And it wasn't just to bring a baby into Bethlehem, but the whole point of it was that that baby would grow up and live a sinless life and die a death that he didn't uh, deserve to pay, paying for the sins of the world and a once and for all payment, being uh, his life being given. If they didn't take it from him, he gave it freely. And then God raised him from the dead three days later. And so that's the whole point of Christmas. That's the origin of Christmas. And so when I, when I refer to the Christmas story, we love Santa and we love all that other stuff. But that's what I mean when I'm talking about in this context, the Christmas story. And these dreams that have led up to that. So, if you've never heard of that, and maybe that's the first time that you're hearing that, I'd invite you to go, go, go check into that, uh, read into that. Um, but that is the true meaning of Christmas. That's why we love Christmas around here, and uh, in a nutshell, that's kind of Christmas in a package. So um, that's the Christmas story, and that's why we get so excited about Christmas around here. And uh, today as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about some things that you should know when a dream is born, and I've titled the message today is, It's Not Over. It's Not Over. And some of you are like, that's a horrible title. For the last message of 2020, all that 2020 has held, and you're going to come up with that, it's not over. Uh, that's not what I mean. It's kind of funny if you think about it, but uh, that's not what I mean. Is, But it, today, the title is, It's Not Over. And we're going to talk about some things that you should know when a dream is born. Right? We had Christmas just a few days ago, and Christmas was... God making God on a promise, and Jesus arrives in the scene in the form of an infant. And so God makes good on a promise, and a dream is born. And so what do you do when you find yourself in that, hey, this thing actually happened, this thing that, I was, that I've believed deep down inside most of my existence since my eyes have been opened that God could actually do this or that this would actually happen. So what do you do when that actually happens and a dream is actually born? It's not over. And there's some things that you need to know as you move forward. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to unpack. And I will say this. This is not going to be your, your typical sermon. Most of what we're going to say today is actually going to be scripture that's read. And for some of you, you're going to be like, this is kind of weird. But I want to be clear with you on the belief that we have around here is that God's word is living and active. It has power to change your life. Uh, if you want to mess your life up, get into God's word. There is not one thing that I could say or that would come out of my mouth that would change anyone's life who's tuning in today. But God's word doesn't need help. It reveals truth. It, 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 it cuts to the core. And so 
I want to get God's word out there. And first and foremost, because I'm believing as we're opening this passage in Matthew chapter 2, that his word is going to speak to you exactly where you're at. I don't know where you're at today. And especially if we've never met. But even if we've met, I don't know where you're at deep down inside when no one else is around. God does. And his word knows that. And his word can speak to that. And so if you would just allow the ears of your heart to open up and to listen into this story, because I believe with everything in me that God's got something for you here. We're going to be jumping into our story in a book of the Bible called Matthew. And we're going to be in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And I'm not going to read quick for any other reason other than just we've got some verses that, that uh, we're going to unpack, and I want to be able to get through them. So starting in verse 1 in chapter 2 of the book of Matthew, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will, shepherd, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. The first thing that you should know when your dream is born is that there's an enemy, and it's a real enemy, that hates you, hates your dream, and will stop at nothing less of destroying you if he has any say in the matter. You need to understand that. You need to understand that there is a struggle, and the struggle is real. It's not a struggle between political party. It's not a generational struggle. It's a struggle between good and evil. It's a struggle between God and Satan. And it's very real. If you don't believe me, turn on the news. Open your eyes. Listen to the buzz of what has been going over the last year. Yes, men play into that. Men and women play into this. And yes, it can be easy to get our eyes off of what's really there. But at the end of the day, I, I, I need you to understand. This is a spiritual battle. And there's a spiritual enemy who wants you dead. And he hates you. And he hates your dream. And he hates anything that reminds him of the Creator. God Almighty. You need to understand that. Now, King Herod was trying to trick the wise men. But he was playing into this orchestrated plan for evil, designed to stop God's plan. And you need to understand that the dream that you have, that you will 
receive resistance. And it isn't the mean kid at school that stole your lunch money kind of a thing. This is a genuine battle between good and evil. Open your eyes. Look around. Our battle isn't between flesh and blood. That's not where our, that's not where our, our battle and our struggle lies. It's a spiritual one against spiritual, spiritual powers of darkness. And people can be used, like I said, but, but understand that the battle that you're in and the battle that you and the dream that God's placed in your heart will face is a spiritual one. Your enemy hates you and he hates your God-given dreams. And it's not if opposition will come, it's when. We're going to continue in verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Notice the contrast of their reaction to the news and seeing the Savior and the difference between Herod and all Jerusalem. They entered the house. And they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted. They are dead. The second thing that you need to know if you have been given a God-sized dream and you've seen it come to pass is that even as you sleep, completely vulnerable, obviously like sleeping is probably like the, one of the most vulnerable positions that we could put ourselves in. We're literally um, just kind of vulnerable and defensiveless. Even as you sleep, the Lord is watching over you and he's thwarting the plans of the enemy. You need to know that. Because this battle is a real one and it's a spiritual one. And there is a spiritual enemy that wants you and your dream dead. You also need to know, and this is more important than that, the first point is that God, even as you sleep, is watching over you. And he's thwarting the plans of the enemy. As the wise men and Joseph were oblivious to the plans that Herod had, God was looking out for them. 
And God wasn't taken by surprise. God knew all along what was going to take place. So God already had a plan. He didn't need to fabricate one then and there. But God was looking out for them. And yes, there's a real enemy that hates you and your dream and will stop at nothing short of killing you, but God is with you. We sang about it earlier, and, and God is for you. And he's working behind the scenes, even as you sleep. Almost this idea of, as, as you're unable to do anything other than rejuvenate your body for the next day and your own mortality, God is actively working behind the scenes as he's watching over you. And he's got a plan. And the other thing is, he knew how to get the message to the person that needed it. The wise man had a dream. Joseph had a dream. I don't know why he didn't show up in person. I, I, I don't know, but I do know this, that for both of those parties, God showed up in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared, and he gave them the guidance and the direction that they were going to need. As they were sleeping, God was moving things behind the scenes, and I need you to understand that too. Because there are things that you have no idea that your enemy has been trying to orchestrate and plan to pigeonhole you or to get you caught in a dead end. And even as you're oblivious to that, God is aware he's watching over you and he is thwarting the plans of the enemy as you're oblivious to it all. We're going to continue. Verse 19, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judah was Herod's son, I'm just going to say a dude because that's a weird name, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. A couple things that I want to pull out of that last text that jumped out to me is that an angel of the Lord literally took the time, because God asked them to, to come to Joseph again with another dream and said, it's, it's safe, you can leave Egypt and return to Israel. And, and Joseph obeys. And you're like, that's what you should expect, right? He just goes back and, and everyone uh, has a good old time and hits up IHOP for some pancakes and, and end of the story. But it actually says, then again, after being warmed in a dream, uh, because Joseph was afraid to go there, then after being warned in a dream, he left to go actually to Galilee. And so his, chance, his plans changed. And so I just need you to know that things will rarely ever play out the way that you're thinking that they would. 
Two and a half years ago, God called my family and I out of California. We thought pretty clearly that God had spoken to us to be able to, to come to this area and to be a part of a specific work. And about six months into that work, that, com- that, that work completely changed. And the whole time, I'm, I was thinking my wife and, and probably Joseph too at this point, like, did, did I not... Did I not hear right? Did maybe maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe something's going on on the, on, on the inside of me, and I'm just, I'm just hearing my own thoughts rather than what God's actually speaking. And through the chain of, of different events, we ended up being a part of another work, and then we're now here, and we've been here um, over about a year and a half almost. And what's crazy to me is sometimes we get this idea that we've got God figured out, or we've got, you know, he gives us the next step, and we just go ahead and think that, oh, yeah, that's going to be it. Yeah, I'm going to go to Israel, and it's going to be all good there. And it's like, nope. Sometimes life throws a detour. Sometimes life throws a curveball. And it's not a curveball for God. God knew all along. But he needed to position them that way. And you're thinking, why in the world would God call him back to Israel, then change his mind and go back to Galilee? Once again, I don't have the answer to that question, but I do know this. God doesn't waste time. He doesn't go, oops. God needed that to occur. And in your life, too, maybe you've been in that place and you felt like there's a detour that you've been on. And maybe you're stuck right in the middle of it, and that's where you're at. I just need you to know it's not because you didn't hear God. It's not because of, of you've done something wrong. It's that it's part of the overall plan. And there's something to be learned in the detour. And so in the, in, in the midst of Israel to Galilee, there was something that needed to happen there. And we don't have it here in Scripture, but we do know this, that God doesn't go oops. And Joseph followed the leading and the guiding that God was giving. So the last thing that I need you to know, when God has brought a dream to pass, is this. The protection and the provision that you're going to need will be connected to your level of obedience. Let me say that again. You don't want to hear this, because we like it when we get to sit in the the lazy boy and watch God just dump stuff in our lap. I need you to hear this. The protection and the provision that you're going to need is connected and tied to your level of obedience. God will guide you and me as he guided Joseph and the wise men, but you are the one that's going to have to take the steps. God brings you in. He offers a a partnership with you. Follow me. Jesus said that to his disciples, and that's the same message to us today. Like the wise men following the star, follow me, follow me. And as the story for chapter 2 plays out, you can see time and time again, an angel of the Lord comes to these men in a dream. And, 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 and Scripture is very clear that those men did exactly what the angel asked them to do. What if they hadn't? I don't know. But I do know this, that God and his sovereignty decided to entrust some human beings with his very own son, knowing that he's given them the opportunity to have free will, to say no. And he still offers that same choice to you today. But the provision and the protection that you're going to need is directly tied to your level of obedience. What's interesting is the wise men came and Mary and Joseph are probably thinking like, why are we getting all this gold and, and frankincense and myrrh? Like, we don't need this kind of stuff. Like, I'm a carpenter. 
I, I couldn't make jewelry out of this thing unless it's like wood. Let's make a manger. I can do that. Necklaces, jewelry, I, cool oils. and stuff. I don't even really know what to do with this. But it was exactly what they needed for the journey ahead. The provision was there because Joseph had done back in chapter 1 exactly what the angel asked him to do. And the angel said, Go, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he obeyed and the provision came. And I need you to understand that too because with this dream, there's going to be legs of the journey where you're going to have to step out in faith and you're not going to see what's ahead. But God's going to speak to your heart and you're going to need to take that step of faith and you're going to need to do it because the provision's on the other side of that step. That's how God works. And the protection that you're going to need is there as well. Every single thing the enemy threw their way, God had a plan to get them out of it. God made a way out. And God's passionate about giving you and I the opportunity to choose him, choose the path that he has for us. But he's not going to force us. He's a gentleman. He sent his son to live a sinless life, to die a death that he didn't deserve, to pay for the sins of the world, to have an opportunity, to have a chance at you choosing him. That's the same God we're reading about in this story. But we have to take the steps. We have to choose whether or not to follow his leading. So as we close out this year, as we close out this series, I want to challenge you in a couple different ways, if I may, if you'd let me. I'd like to ask a series of questions. And the first one is, do you have a God-sized dream? Because if you have a dream to do something that you could do in your own strength, it's not a dream from God because God doesn't do dreams like that. That's what you do. But God places dreams that are bigger than you inside your heart. One, to know that that dream's not from you, but to remind you of what it's all about anyways. It's about him. It's about his plan. It's about what he wants to do in and through you, in your community, in your workplace, in your family. But it's his. It belongs to him, and it's for his glory. Do you have a God-sized dream? If not, my question would be, would you begin to dream? I know, if you've been burned or you felt like you had a dream and, and you watched that sucker get squashed right in front of you, that, that defense mechanism to never want to dream or never want to trust again, I'm going to ask you to lay that down because that's going to get in the way of what God has for you. If not, would you begin to dream? If you don't have a God-sized dream, would you begin to dream today? If you do have a God-sized dream, have you seen that dream become a reality yet? If you have, great. Look back at the last few minutes and, and maybe walk some of those steps out if that dream has arrived. Because it's not over. The journey's just begun, if that's where you're at. But if not... I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, will you keep believing between now being you have not seen that dream come to fruition and what's that next step is that God will bring it to fruition. If God's promised it, he makes good on promises. We see that played out in the Christmas story. It took some time, but God made good on a promise. And there's never a promise God's ever made that he couldn't keep and that he won't keep. So it's not if, it's, it's when God fulfills that promise. But in the meantime, will you continue to believe that the promise and that dream is on its way in God's time? But I also want to say this, is 
Will you keep an awareness that there is a real enemy that will fight you tooth and nail? Just like he opposed God's plan of Jesus coming into this world and within his first few years tried to take him out multiple times, same enemy hates you because of what you represent, because you're made in God's image. You remind him of God. He hates you because of that. And will you keep an awareness about yourself as you walk through your, your day, your work day, your conversations with your family and friends? Would you understand that, that it's, not that actually, it's not actually that dude at work that seems to just hate your guts? There's something bigger at play. This is a spiritual thing. And see it through those eyes that there's a real enemy. But that God is watching over you. Even as you sleep, even as you're clueless to the plans of the enemy on your life, God is watching over you. And not just watching over you and protecting you as you sleep, as you're vulnerable, as you can't even help yourself. God is watching over you and he is thwarting the plans of the enemy behind the scenes. And lastly, my... My, my last challenge to you is remember that God's protection and his provision for you, for the dream, for the plan that he wants to play out in your life if you'll submit it to him is contingent and tied to your level of obedience. I know that's tough. That's hard to swallow. That's that's the way it is. That's what obedience looks like. If obeying was fun, everybody would be doing it. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But that's exactly what God's called us to. Jesus was clear when he was on this earth, and he said, if you love me, you obey my commands. It's not a th list of rules that he's looking for us to abide by. It's trust. Trust me. Sometimes it's literally just a star. <laughs> You're like, how in the world did those men know to follow that star for that long and to know what was waiting on the other side of that? I don't know. I don't know how God works and does what he does, but I do know this. He's really good at it, and he knows how to get your attention, and he knows what it's going to take to guide you if you trust him. Don't worry about the, well, should I be looking for a star? Should I be asking for dreams? God knows how to get your attention. He knew how to get those men's attention. He knows how to get yours. I don't know about you, but I, I can speak with clarity. God knows how to get my attention. God will guide you as you're obedient to him and you walk this journey out. And this year, as we're saying goodbye to 2020, and we're saying hello to 2021. I've talked to so many people that are like, sign our 2020. We don't have any idea of what 2021's holding for the year. It's almost like if someone's been had this epiphany that 2021 can only be, get better, right? We don't know what's on the other side of this new year. We don't. God does, though. And I do know this, that he's going to lead and guide his people like he always has. And his kingdom and his plan and his mission is going to continue to press forward. And we can either be a part of that or we could be over in a corner sucking our thumbs. But God invites us to be a part of what he's doing. 
and what he will accomplish. And so would you follow him wherever he leads this upcoming year like the wise men that followed that star? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we had to just dig into your word. And I pray that, that even though this is just one chapter that we looked at, that there's so much power in how you spoke, how you got the attention of these men, and their obedience to that guidance. It's, it's, it's something that I want to strive towards. It's something I want to grow in and be better at, is hearing that small voice, or whether it's a dream, whether it's a verse that I'm reading, and you speak to my heart that I'd, that I'd step out in obedience, no matter how weird it may look, no matter what the cost, that this year we would look to you like the wise men look to the star for their guidance and their direction, that we'd keep our eyes on you knowing that you will not lead us astray. We can put our trust in you. This isn't about following all these rules. No, 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 no. No. It's a, do you trust me? Because I, I desire a relationship. You desire a relationship with us, God. And relationships can't be built where there's no trust. So you're looking to continually grow our trust in you. And as you do, may we obey you're leading and you're guiding. If you say stop, we stop. If you say turn to the right, we turn to the right. And regardless of what this next year holds, may we be at peace knowing that even as we sleep, you are not just with us, but you're watching over us. And there's nothing that will take you by surprise. And I believe with everything in me that you will lead your church to be on mission and to reach people like this world has never seen before. Thanking you for that. Thank you for this series. Thank you for this last year that we've had because actually the adversity and all the struggle that we've faced has forced us to do and to think like we've never had to before. And I pray that we continue in that same vein. That we look for the opportunities along the way to give you glory and to point people to you in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.